Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 130 of the Average Cheese Podcast. It's a whole family for episode 130. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Peter, it's your time to shine. As always, it's episode 130. I asked Amon Green to come on. We didn't hear back from him, so it's going to have to be someone else, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> <I'm kidding>. well <laughs> no, you're like, oh, this is who I picked. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I considered making it the Paul Ock Carruth episode. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> Taking us back to our youth. But um, but that would be a very <laughs> short bio. Right. Oh. So, you know, there's a number of other guys that have won 30, like uh, – Chuck Messine, very briefly in the 60s, but famously in the Ice Bowl, was his big performance for the Packers. William Henderson wore 30 for part of his Packer career before changing numbers. Jamal Williams, more recently, was 30. But Clark Hinkle back in the 1930s, Hall of Famer, wore 30. But yeah, I, it kind of had to be Amon Green, Packers all-time leading rusher, star running back at Nebraska before the Packers drafted him, rushing for nearly 4,000 yards at, at Nebraska at 6.8 yards per carry. So it was pretty impressive in college. I said the Packers drafted him. Of course, the Packers didn't draft him. The Seahawks drafted him in the 98 draft and in the end was part of a trade to the Packers, which sent Fred Vinson, if you remember him, a corner. Defensive back, the other, yeah. The other way, yeah. He didn't do shit, did he? No. No, Fred, Fred Vinson was part of that draft that had, uh, I believe, part of that draft that had the other corners that they took that year. Antoine Edwards was a safety stroke corner. Yeah, and a kid from Montana the... whose name yeah. escapes me right now. Escapes yeah. me too. We'll move back to Amon Green. So Amon Green came to the Packers in 2000 as part of that trade that said Fred, sent Fred Vinson the other way. Immediately, Green rushed for 1,175 yards in his first Packer season in, in 2000. And people forget this. He also caught 73 passes that year. And people tend to forget... Even Packers fans, I think, how good a receiver out of the backfield Amon Green was. And we kind of remember those early 2000 years when we think of the screen pass, which you don't see that much of these days. But there was him, Najee Davenport, Tony Fisher. The Packers run that screen in, in that period fantastically. But yeah, Amon Green rushed for 1,000 yards in five of his first six seasons, including team record over 1,800 yards in, in 2003. And I think if we remember back, that last game of 2003 against the Broncos, he had a 98-yard touchdown run. And that was, the, that was the game where the Vikings later on lost to the, lost to the Cardinals in the last, the last play of the game that put the Packers into the playoffs. But Amon Green holds all the Packers' rushing records. You know, that 98-yarder is a Packers' record. He holds the record for um, rushing yards in a game, a regular season, over 200 yards. The all-time leading rusher for the Packers with 
8,322 rushing yards, all done at four and a half yards per carry, which is pretty, pretty impressive. And he also caught, as I said, 350 passes are coming out of the backfield, which is a lot. I think for Packers fans, certainly of our kind of era, we remember how damn good he was. And he was. Breakaway back, broke a lot of tackles as well. I think for fans of other teams, I think they forget how good Amar Green was. He's not one of those guys that would immediately, I think, come to mind of fans from other teams. But but boy, he was damn good over that kind of seven, eight-year period. Packers Hall of Famer inducted in the Packers Hall of Fame in 2014. Just a damn good all-round back in that period when I guess Favre's career was beginning to wane and Amon Green kind of picked up that offensive slack for, like I say, seven or eight years for the, for the Packers, and he was he was very good. And he came back to the Packers, didn't he? He left and then came back and wore like 36 or 34 or something weird like that. Yeah, he went to the Texans for two years as a free agent towards the end of his career and then came back to the Packers for that one year in which he broke the Packers, you know, Jim Jim Taylor's Packers rushing record. Oh, all-time record? High knees. The man ran with high knees. Like he had a, I don't want to call it an iconic running style because that's not true. But if you took his jersey number off and just had him running down the field and you had to identify him, I think you could identify like that's yeah. a Mon Green. Sort of like uh, Eric Dickerson. Yes. You know, Were you knew, smaller yeah. version of Eric Dickerson almost. Thank you for that, Peter. O'Donnell, the punter, was cut today. So Daniel Whelan is the punter for the Green Bay Packers, unless they, after cuts happen, they decide to bring someone in, which would really stun me. I was reading today, he had to learn how to punt with great hang time because anything, I want to say, if I want, I'll probably get this wrong. If you kick it, and it goes out of bounds within the 35-yard line, they get it at the 35-yard line. The other team does. Like, you have to find a way to pin them back there because if you kick it out of bounds, they're getting it at the 35. Does that sound right to you? No? You guys are looking at me like, yeah, I got three Mm. heads, so I'm going to say that I made that up. But I feel like that's why he had practiced his hang time or had to figure out how to kick with greater hang time because of the rules of the XFL, and that has now carried over as a a punter in the NFL. Any concerns about having him instead of O'Donnell on the roster? Just, I mean, the fact that he's fairly inexperienced. Well, I don't know what else, what college he must have come from. I have no idea. Ireland or something. Well, yeah, he's originally from Ireland. Who the hell knows? He kicked well. I don't think he outkicked O'Donnell as far as preseason is concerned. So it was kind of unusual to hear that the new. I mean, I, I don't have a real high liking for O'Donnell anyway. So just a guy. Yeah. I he's mean, a gag uh, he's, def- he's definitely like you always say, like he's cuttable and he got it. So I was looking at the at the game too to see if he, you know, I know there was the blocked extra point. That wasn't his fault. And he, he had a couple good kicks in that game. So I don't know. They must have found something that they're ready to move on. Yeah, I guess for me, the only surprise, well, surprise is, is about who the holder's going to be. Because I'm guessing now that Wheeler, you know, Wheeler was the backup holder. So I'm guessing that, and I think that's part of the reason why the Packers got O'Donnell in the first place last year for his holding skills. And given they've got a rookie kicker and all of that kind of thing, I think that's the only question mark for me. I mean, my assumption is that the Packers' offense is going to be so good this year that they'll never punt anyway. 
So I don't think the I, I don't think the punting is going to be an issue. But um, <laughs> or you could look at it the other way. The offense is going to be so bad that they're turning the ball over all the time and will never punt. But no, I didn't say that. I looked to see if it was like a significant cost savings, but it really isn't. O'Donnell's cap number or salary for this year is like one point two, and Whelan's going to make seven fifty. I'm a little scared about the holding, right? Because O'Donnell yeah. fixed a lot of issues that we had with Bohorquez, right? It was his advantage. It was his reason for being on the roster because he was an average punter at best. And now you got a rookie kicker who has been inconsistent with a new holder. I don't know. that It concerns me a bit. I got some messages. Friends, I just want to let you know that the swear jar is still in existence. We have not gotten rid of the swear jar. I don't know if it's this new MacBook that I'm that we record on, but yeah, you can't hear the swear jar. We still throw them in the swear jar, but the sound, the iconic sound of the swear jar is yes. no longer in the recordings. Fucking new technology. So there goes one. You probably didn't hear that, but it's there. I doubled it up for you in case. Yeah, it doesn't exist though. Two people message me like, hey, what's going on? You said the F word and there's no swear jar. I swear to you, friends, that there still is. Yeah. <laughs> I got mine right next to me. Can't me do a too. podcast without it. Right. Since I can't do a podcast without swearing. If, exactly. It feels strange not to hear it, though. I actually put mine in front of the microphone last time. We got to get like an AI tool that can track swear words and then automatically do like the noise. That'd be cool. Right. We're old school, though. We use a right. real jar. It's not AI. It's not, you know, like a sound effect that we put in afterwards. It's an actual glass jar that we throw quarters into. We definitely miss some here and there. Oh, we do. We do. We definitely miss some. But for the most part, we get we get the majority. We cuss enough to make up for it. Right, exactly. Maybe what it is that you cuss so much that you're throwing your credit card in the jar. And it can't, it can't hear it the just credit makes card. A clicking sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, the last slice. I just have to say welcome to my son, Ryan, who is now listening to the average cheese. The other day we're sitting in the kitchen. I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, my, my daughter was accusing me of not being like, uh, like understanding of other people's views. And oh. Ryan says, well, apparently you have not listened to episode three of the average cheese. <laughs> and a tear started to come down my face because I was so happy. What a great moment. What a proud father. <laughs> I am. I am. And thank you, son. I love your, 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 li your life's work is now complete. Yes. He's not even a Packer fan. So I appreciate him listening. I don't know how that he is not, but you know. He does watch, and, and he clearly does listen. He also said, Todd, I can't remember, but you cussed out Peter for drinking our beers. I don't know what episode he was listening to. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> it's in an episode somewhere. I don't know. I'll have to ask him what episode he was listening yeah, to. Yeah, I might have done that. <laughs> I think Peter picked like he picked the Packers to win and cover where we had both picked them to lose, you know, lose the game. And you, oh. you accused Peter of drinking the beers that we had left over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love you, boy. Thank you for listening. 
All right, let's move on to this game really quickly. Preseason game number three, probably the least relevant game of all games. Peter, anything that stuck out to you that you thought, okay, this is this is something that was significant? Nothing particularly. I mean, I think again, we looked at we looked at Jordan Love, slightly slow start, but again, pretty much the same performance that we've seen from him the previous two preseason games. Very, very nice performance again. I, I guess the thing that that stands out, and we're going to talk about the roster in a minute, is just how much competition there is at, say, the third running back spot and the safety position still not clear as to what's going on there. But, yeah, nothing too much. Like you say, that third preseason game, meh. I got to I gotta go with what, what I saw, and I'm talking about Jordan Love again, which goes against everything I've ever said about him. <laughs> But, um, around. I'm coming around, but I'm still yeah. sticking to my guns. So I think he was he's been consistent with like his poise and confidence. If you remember back to you know his first couple of years in the league and during the preseason, you used to see him kind of like come to the sideline all upset and kind of you know getting agitated, you know, upset agitated for no reason. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's in control, like he has commanded this offense. He's he does not look like, and like Peter said, he got off to a slow start. That that didn't seem to really impact him whatsoever. He just kind of kept very even keel. The one connection I wanted to see in the preseason was him and Watson, and that happened. And that was a great back shoulder throw, great catch. I mean, I'm trying to think of a negative thing that I saw from him in the preseason. There just isn't anything. I think he's... Through no picks? I never thought I would say this, but I think he's ready. He's ready for an NFL season. Folks, we are going to mark this tape. Yes, this is... These are words that... (laughs) The Todd is full circle on Jordan Love. Not full. I'm just... It's it's preseason. We got a long way to go. So I am not eating my words yet, so... Nice. I'm just calling it like it is. Yeah, that's what you do. It was nice to see Honors Carlson. So I listened to the game while I was working. Larravee and McCarron must have said, I don't know, 76 times that the wind was swirling at Lambeau Field. Like the, the flags on the top of the stadium were blowing in a different direction than the flags in the goalpost. That 57-yarder that Honors Carlson made would have made it from 60, 62 in the wind. I'm not fully sold on the man yet, but that was encouraging. That you're not going to see from a lot of kickers. I don't want to keep going back to the Mason Crosby well, but they wouldn't attempt a 57-yard field goal with Mason Crosby probably this year. So he does add that dimension, right? I mean, if they got to try a 60-yarder, he's got the leg to try that 60-yarder. So that was encouraging. Peter, anything negative? Nothing specific. I mean, like I say, I think my negatives through the preseason is just that I think nobody has jumped out and won the job at the safety at the safety position. Mm-hmm. Still, that's my biggest negative in inverted commas throughout the whole of the. You know, we know that Savage is making the roster, but after that, nobody has jumped out and grabbed that other safety spot for me. To go off of that, piggyback off of that, there are some wide receivers that have not jumped ahead. Guys that you would hope to, and we can talk about that when we get to the roster, but I don't feel like other than Christian Watson and Robio Dobbs that anyone else has been like lights out spectacular, but we can talk about that when we get to that part of the, of the 53. JJ Anigbar did have a good game. Yep. Yeah. Following on from the good game that he had in, in week two of the preseason as well. So yeah, 
Yeah, that I want to say that JJ Inagbari was the highest rated Packer on PFF this preseason. Now, again, it's the preseason. I'm not trying to say that he's also going to be all pro and, you know, make a Pro Bowl this year. But the the play that sticks out for him was he, he straight armed the tackle and just ran him and made the sack. He had like the tackle in one hand and was still able to make the sack with the other. That's something we've always wished that Rashawn Gary would do. Yeah. And and Igbari, you know, granted it was against the backup, but that was awesome. Defensively, I love the Kenny Clark to end. I've I called for that years ago. If TJ Slayton can be the man in the middle, I think the defensive line gets that much better with Clark and Wyatt. And and Clark was <laughs> he shouldn't even play in the preseason. He absolutely obliterated some dudes. I think that's right. I think Kenny Clark is just as suited, if not more suited, to the defensive end spot in the three four. I, I, and, and with Wyatt at the other end, as you said, I think that is a huge potential step forward. He's more likely to get chipped in that end spot, but he's not, he's less likely to have the guard and the center double teaming him. He should have a little bit freer reign, especially if TJ Slayton can eat up some guys in the middle. So yeah, the Packers were really good on defense against the run. They they got gave up that one really big run where I think Brooks kind of. I don't want to say he whiffed, but he kind of olayed the hole and it just opened up a big gap. Other than that. And I think that's been the case really through the whole of the preseason. There's been one or two big runs, but the rest of it's been pretty good against the run. Fingers crossed that they can continue that into the regular season. All right. Anything else before we move on? All right. Let's get to the 53. So we are recording this on Monday like we always do, August 28th, 6.46 p.m. Central Standard Time. (laughs) The only person that's been cut so far has been Pat O'Donnell, the punter. And, I mean, of course, I no, I shouldn't say I know why, but I would assume that they are cutting him early to see if he gets a chance to catch on with another team. Let's go through the roster, Peter. I'm sure we're going to disagree about some of this stuff. Let's start at the quarterback position. How many quarterbacks do the Packers keep on the roster? I think it's two. I think they'd like to keep three because of the new rule about being able to have an extra quarterback active on game day, the Brock Purdy rule, if you will, the 49ers rule. So I think they'd like to keep three, and I, and I think if they can juggle their cuts in some shape or form, they'll keep three, but I'm leaning towards it being two. I feel um, like it will be two also. No, I was just, I'm just repeating myself. As I, say, I think they'd like it to be three, but I think realistically it's two. Did Magoo give you enough? in the preseason to, to keep him on the roster or will it be another, if, if they keep three, is it the three guys they have in camp right now? I think Magoo showed enough to be the third guy, although he didn't, he still didn't play enough for my liking, but yeah, some of that was, yeah. some of that was circumstance of the new England game. Yes. For the number three quarterback, given, you know, his XFL background and everything else, the little bit that we saw of him. Yeah, absolutely. He showed enough for me. He threw an absolute dime in the end, at the end of that game. That was a perfect pass. I don't want to say he's easily practice squattable because someone might pick him up if they're going to keep three quarterbacks, but he didn't get a chance to show himself, so they don't know what they're getting unless they go to XFL tape, and I don't know that you can use that as gospel, but I think that they will keep the two quarterbacks, Clifford and Lovell, and then Magoo will go to the practice squad. That one was kind of easy. What about the running back position? So there's been a lot said. There are guys on this team that can play. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are guaranteed, of course. 
Then it's Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, Emmanuel Wilson, and Nate McCreary. How many running backs do, do the Packers keep? Let's start with that. How many do they Two. keep? Two? Yeah. Really? That surprises <laughs> me. So I think in Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Emmanuel Wilson, I think they've got three guys that there's not a lot to choose between them. There, You can make a case. Certainly with Taylor and Wilson, you can make a case for, for those guys being the third running back. And some would make a case for Tyler Goodson being the third running back with his receiving skills and everything else. So I don't think there's a lot in that competition between Taylor, Goodson and Wilson. And I think what happens here, and I'm just throwing it out there, I think the Packers keep two. I think that somebody else and those guys, assuming they're not picked up, Taylor, Goodson, Wilson all go to the practice squad. Assuming oh, they're not picked up by another by another team, okay. which they probably won't be, and then I suspect one of two things happens: there's a guy on the roster that's injured that makes the fifty-three and then goes to injured reserve, and one of those three aforementioned running backs then gets activated to the roster, or they start activating those guys on game day. They can elevate on game day from the practice squad three times, I think it is, and I think that's what happens. So, so I think. I think this is a a way of being able to sneak another guy who may be injured onto the active roster rather than placing them on injured reserve and putting them out for the season. I think if there was just one running back, they might not take the risk of cutting him and somebody else picking him up. But with Taylor, Goodson and Wilson, all three of those guys aren't going to be picked up by another team. So I think they can make the move of just going with two running backs to begin with. Interesting. Tyler Goodson kind of went invisible after the mm. first preseason game. If you would have asked me after preseason game number one, I would have said guaranteed Tyler Goodson is the third running back. Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, and the rest of those clowns are either practice squad guys or they're cut. But I think two things. The emergence of Jaden Reed in the slot makes Tyler Goodson – less valuable on this team. I don't think that Jaden Reed will line up at running back, however, but I think that LaFleur has his move guy in Jaden Reed, and I now I'm not sure. So I'm going to say they keep three. I think that because we're Packer fans and we've directly seen what Emmanuel Wilson can do, we are giving him more love than he probably will get league-wide. Teams aren't going to be like, oh, we got to have Emmanuel Wilson on our roster right now. And Patrick Taylor has proven that he's just a guy. I'm going to say they keep three, and I think it's going to be Dylan Jones and Emmanuel Wilson, even though I said what I just said. Really? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, sir? I think they keep Taylor instead because of his – he's actually a really good special teams player. I don't think – or Wilson has that experience. I think that tips the scale Agreed. for me. It does change what the roster looks like then down the road for special yeah. teams guys, right? If right. they don't keep Patrick Taylor on the roster. Right. Okay, so we all disagree there. Peter says it's going to be two guys. I say it's going to be three. You say it's going to be a different three. That should be interesting come tomorrow, 4.30. Let's move to the, the fullback position. Now, the Packers have two fullbacks on this depth chart that I'm looking at on Packers.com. Josiah DeGuara is now finally no longer in the tight end room. They have him and Henry Pearson as the backup. Peter, do they keep both of those guys at fullback? 
Nah, they keep Deguara. They can list him as a fullback all they want, and they have lined him up quite a lot, relatively a lot in the in the preseason in the in the fullback position, if you like. You know, when they've lined up in the I formation, he's been there as the fullback. He's a fullback, stroke H back, stroke tight end, does all of those things. He makes the roster. Pearson doesn't make make the roster. Right? That's a no brainer for me. Um, agreed. I honestly feel as though I- I've never been a big fan of Degora at all, but like it's just kind of that he sits in one of those kind of gray area positions where there's not a whole lot of competition. I really question his value. I don't think it's enough to, I don't think that they'll cut him. I think that he will be the, the fullback for this year. I think that's a really valid point. I think Josiah Deguara being listed as a fullback on this roster actually helps him making the team. 100%. Because Plus, there's no one else. If they're going to use well, that position, he's it. Right. Right, and plus with what's the guy's name that just got hurt, the tight end, uh, Dave um, Tyler Davis. Tyler, with him being hurt, that only solidifies Deguara because now he can flip from fullback to tight end if if need be, and he would be the most experienced tight end that they have. That pretty much cements him into the roster, no matter what. Even though I think he's straight garbage, <laughs> kind of useless. I agree with you, Peter. I think Josiah Deguara is the only fullback quote-unquote that makes the roster so let's move to tight end then luke musgrave tucker craft austin allen and henry pearson possibly if you're counting him and deguara into that tight end role todd of these guys musgrave craft austin allen possibly henry pearson how many tight ends do the packers keep on the roster i have no idea who austin allen is that's all dude right i want to say yeah peter you and i talked about him he's like six seven two fifty five he's no no you know what i mean he's just a guy yeah use that term that is the term that i learned from you just a guy todd and i'm going to continue to use it he's He's just a guy i don't know i I don't know where the numbers sit i'd be okay with keeping three luke musgrave and Kraft are locks i mean there's no they just got drafted. Doing that, it's just a matter of how many and where the numbers kind of sit on your offense, right? I'd be okay if they kept three. I'd be okay if they kept two because I obviously DeBoer can be that third if you need him to be. Maybe they maybe they do keep two. Tucker Craft seems to be a bit lost right now. Sometimes I'm like, e, I don't think you're in the right spot, bro. That blocked that was an extra point, right? Last game, that was all him. Okay, you watch a replay. I mean, he. They had a he did not know what to do. And, and that guy got loose. So yeah, he has lost a little bit. I think it's three plus Deguara. So I think it's Musgrave. I think it's Kraft. And I think it's Austin Allen, unless another guy that they like more than Allen becomes available prior to that final cut down. So so these teams that have started cutting guys already, if a guy that they like more than Austin Allen becomes available, then it's likely to be that guy. If not, Austin Allen makes the roster as the third tight end plus Deguara as well. Because the history of Matt LaFleur is he likes that tight end spot. He liked it when he was in Tennessee, used it a lot. You know, And I think it's not so long ago the Packers kept like five tight ends on the roster. So I, I definitely think they kicked three plus Deguara. I think that the Packers are going to go out and find a pure blocking tight end after cuts are made. I don't think if you look at Musgrave, Kraft, Guara, Austin Allen, none of those guys are going to wow you in the run game. 
I think that third spot is just, it's going to be somebody that's not on the roster today. Tackles. Bakhtiari, Nyman, Caleb Jones, Kadeem Telfort, Rashid Humper-Walker, Zach Tom, Luke Tenuta. You looking at the depth chart because there's a lot of dudes here. I'll go first. Bakhtiari clearly makes the roster. Tom clearly makes the roster. Rashid Walker has played a lot in the preseason. They're either grooming him to get a job somewhere else or they really like what they see in Rashid Walker. I think he makes the team. Yash Nyman is going to make the team, but of all the tackles, those four, I think Yash Nyman is the one that is most likely to be cut. There's something about it. I think they are only keeping him around because they don't know what's going to happen to David Bakhtiari during the season. And they're worried that they're going to have to go run Yash Nyman out to left tackle if Bakhtiari can't play. I think Caleb Jones will go back to the practice squad. I don't think I, I disagree with any of that. I I don't. I think Yash Nyman does make the squad again. I think he's he's proven he's a serviceable player. He's obviously got the experience, and like you said, there's still some lingering question marks around Bakhtiari and where his health is exactly is. And if they have to like preserve him in games where they're hopefully way up on the on their competition, and they can kind of sit him down and bring in Nyman to kind of reduce the snaps on Bakhtiari. I think that's going to be his his role. And I definitely think Rashid Walker makes this team, hundred percent. He's played pretty well on yeah. top of them giving him a ton of play. Yeah. They ran him out there. He's he's looked good in the preseason. He's looked good in practice. A lot of good reports on him. Peter, thoughts on the tackle spot? So this is part of the reason why I think they only keep two running backs is that I think they keep five tackles, Bakhtiari, Tom, and partly because Tom may end up playing elsewhere as the season goes as the season goes along. It certainly has that capability, as we know. So Bakhtiari, Tom, Rashid Walker absolutely makes it. Josh Nyman absolutely makes it. And I think Caleb Jones makes it as well. I think they keep those five. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. There will still be a question mark in... The team's mind and everybody's mind with Bakhtiari until he plays a consistent number of, of games. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that a team looks to make a trade for the likes of somebody like Josh Nyman today or tomorrow mm. around the roster <laughs> cut time. I think they would need to offer the Packers a decent amount for them to move on from Nyman at this at this stage because of the Bakhtiari situation, if you, if you like. I don't mean to jump too far into the weeds with that. Ty, what do you need to get for Yash Nyman? If they trade, like if a team said, hey, Green Bay, we need a tackle. We got, you know, you got a guy that, that can play in Yash Nyman. Is it a fourth? There are guys out there that have gone for much less than that. Yeah, I, man, he might not have a, a lot of value out in the, the market, but he has a lot of value on this team. You're Brian Gutekunst. You'd say it would have to be what whatever his market value is, it would have to be above what his market value is. But what are you gonna do? Like that's you're basically taking away your he's probably third on the depth chart, right? I would say I so. I would think, right? So I mean Yeah. He's your swing tackle. Zach Tom is your right tackle. Yash Nyman is going one side or the other if these guys get yeah. hurt or someone gets hurt. That that's why I'm asking the question because yeah. you can't say I'm going to take a fifth for him because that's not enough. Into It's not enough for his value, like you just said. Is he worth a fifth? Probably. I mean, in the whole scheme of things, fifth round pick is probably where he is. But on this team right now, all right, let's move on to the guards. We have Elton Jenkins, 
and John Runyon. Those are your starters. Then it is Sean Ryan, Royce Newman, Cole Schneider, and I have no idea what this guy's name is. John Delance. He's French. <laughs> That's all you know. That's all I know. Peter, you want to go first on this one? How many guards do the Packers keep, or who do they keep? I think it's four. Jenkins, Runyon. Again, those are two players that give them versatility. You know, we know that Jenkins can move out to tackle, could move out to left tackle if yeah. there was a problem with Bakhtiarian. If we, if we think back to the conversation that we had with Mike Wall six months or so ago, you know, it, it was probably easier for Jenkins to move to left tackle from left guard than it is across the other side of the centre out to right tackle. So so Jenkins gives you that. Runyon obviously can play both guard spots and has been working out at centre as well. And I think both Ryan and Royce Newman make the team as well. Hmm. You know, Ryan, second-year guy, has shown them, I think already shown them more this year than, than last. I think Royce Newman has struggled, you know, penalties and, and stuff in preseason, But I think they like him. He's got that starting experience so he can fill in there. Both of those two backups make the roster, so it's it's four for me. I bet that's not what Taz says. <laughs> There's no secret. Royce Newman, I agree. It's going to be those four. I do think Royce Newman, unfortunately, does make it. Unless, I mean, the only if any of those other three guys, Delance, Schneider, and Epi or whatever, Empy. If any of those guys have any upside or, or even close in ability to Newman, I would cut Newman in a heartbeat. <laughs> but if there's really, if there's no one like that, unfortunately, you have to keep him. Mm-hmm. I think he's horrible. I mean, he's a huge liability out there. So. He's been bad in this preseason. Yes. Yes. They can usually hide, right? I mean, as long as you're not getting blown up or making a spectacle of yourself like he has. Honestly, every every fucking game he's in. Would I cut Royce Newman in a heartbeat? Is there anyone else who could fill that spot and be serviceable? I don't think so, unfortunately. What do we know about Cole Schneider? I mean, I, I don't know anything. He's a rookie. If you click on the link to Cole Schneider, it's put has him at center. The Packers have him at guard. I just don't think he has. What happened to Jake Hansen? So he was injured in the Patriots game. Was waived injured this past week, and so has reverted to injured reserve because you can't officially release a player who's injured. So he's, so so Hansen's gone to gone to IR. I don't know that there's anyone else. I don't think Sean Ryan is going to be a good player in this league. I think he's only on the roster because he was a third round pick and they need to keep him around because of that. Him and Newman are both terrible. They're only making the roster because there's nobody else to put there. Part of the reason they both make it is again, is because the guys ahead of them, Jenkins, as as I mentioned, could move out to tackle if there was an issue there. Runyon could move to center if there was an issue there in, in a game. So you've got to have those backups and you probably got to have two of them that can play guard so so there they are those two shit bags center josh myers is the only center really listed on this depth chart he's making the team clearly i think the packers have shown that they are trying other guys at that spot to see if they can just keep one center and if myers were to get hurt they're going to shuffle the deck like they've done yep it'd be kind of rare to only keep one center on the roster i think that you know, Zach Tom is still the long-term competition for that for that spot. It's just that Zach Tom right now is so valuable at right tackle as well. So, so I think we've got two things going on there. I think we've got Zach Tom as the 
long-term competition for Myers, or or I think if Myers went out for any period of time this year, I think Zach Tom would move to centre. And then, as we said before, I think you've got those other guys, Runyon and Ryan, that have tried out at, at centre that I think would fill in in a game, you know, single-game situation if, if Myers went out injured. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, all locks. Toure as well. You think Toure is a lock? Oh, yeah. I would disagree with that. Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, Cody Crest, Deuce Watts, Dre Miller, Grant DeBose, Jadakiss Bonds. A lot of wide receivers on the roster right now. In the past, the Packers have kept seven wide receivers. It's pretty consistent. And then put another guy on the practice squad, usually. Todd, so you think, you want to go through yours first? Watson? Dobbs, Reed, that's three. You say Toure is a, is a lock at the four. As a four. I okay. think that Malik Heath is also a lock. That would be that's, five. That's five. Okay. I also like Dontavian Wicks. Six. And I know that Grant DuBose has performed really well in practice, and I know he got hurt. So there, we haven't seen a lot of him, but from what I've been seeing and reading that he's actually supposed to be a pretty decent receiver as well. So maybe I'll put DeBose as seven. As seven. I agree actually exactly with what Todd's just said. I think it depends on how many they keep, obviously. And that will depend on, again, how many running backs they keep, how many offensive linemen they keep, how many tight ends they keep, will determine whether they can keep six or seven wide receivers. I think Watson, Dubs. Reed, I think those three are absolute locks. I think Torre and Wicks are as good as certain of making the roster. And then I think you've got a battle between Malik Heath and Grant DuBose. I think if they keep six, I think it's Heath probably makes it just above DuBose. If I think if it's seven, DuBose makes it. And I, and then I think guys like Bo Melton, guys like Jadegas Bonds, who had a big play this past weekend, I think those guys have absolutely got a shot at making the the practice squad. I don't think Samari Toure is a lock for me. I think he does make the roster. I just think that Jaden Reed is the more athletic version of Samari Toure. It goes Watson, Dobbs, Reed. Toure is probably the four or five. Malik Heath has had a great camp. I I think he's made this roster too. It's almost 100% consistent that there's an undrafted free agent on the roster, and I think Malik Heath is that guy. I don't know that Grant DeBose will make the roster or not. I want him to. Like, I love the story of Grant DeBose, but, you know, he spent a lot of time with a non-football injury. He, he didn't practice a lot. He, I think the Packers will keep six. And then I think that Grant DeBose, any of those guys can make the practice squad and not get snatched off. You can tell already just in the preseason that Jordan like he's very comfortable having Reed out there that pass that love through to Jaden Reed for that touchdown was absolutely perfect all right and the kicker honors Carlson makes a team for sure right <laughs> we all in agreement with that that's good I gotta charge up my AED again for this year for that for that guy keep uh, it next to the couch just in case go see my cardiac doctor before I get my preseason check I don't know how that's going to go, man. I mean... Every time he kicks is going to be a crapshoot. He needed those kicks to go well in this last preseason, especially the 57-yarder. That looked like it could have been from 65. The leg strength is there. It's just like the consistency, and he's a rookie. It's like, man, that's... I don't know. 
So we're just not just, used to that, right? We're not yeah. used to that. Yeah. When Crosby was bad, he was it was terribly bad, right? For those two years that he wasn't very good, but everything else, he was consistently good. You could count on him. It makes you wonder, like, if things go bad, like how long do they before they actually pull him and look for plan B? I don't think there'll be a plan B if you're asking. Really? I think he is plan A. The dude is just a that's it. A shit show from week to week. How long are you going to keep him around? I hear you. I'm just telling you what I think they're going to do. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball then. Defensive end. Let's start with that. Kenny Clark, Colby Wooden, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, Antonio Moultre, Jason Luan. And this seems like a no-brainer to me. I don't see I, – I see four. Clark, Wooden, Wyatt, Brooks. Anybody see any different than that, defensively-wise? No. Those no. other guys are – they're not even practice squad guys in my my eyes. It, those are USFL, XFL guys. Let's do the no's. TJ Slayton, Jonathan Ford, Todd, do both those guys make it? Or, well, Chris Slayton, too, who's kind of been invisible in the preseason, is also the third nose tackle, but he's way too fucking small to play nose. I know Ford had some impacts in some of these games. I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I know Slayton is obviously a lock, and it's just a matter of how the numbers play out, whether they want to keep two nose tackles or not. Peter, thoughts? Exactly that. This is purely a numbers game. Slayton makes it, obviously. He will start. And I think Ford makes it if they can keep six, six defensive linemen. But it's purely down to do they keep five defensive linemen or six? Simple, simple as that. I think Ford, when they look at this line, this defensive line, they have to think if TJ Slayton goes down, then they have to move Kenny Clark back to the nose if they don't keep Jonathan Ford, unless you're going to pick some guy off the shit heap. I mean, that that's always a thing, too. I think what makes this more difficult, particularly in this day and age, is the Packers, like many other teams, play a lot of two defensive linemen set so ideally you'd like to have a backup for all of the positions but when you're only playing two defensive linemen half the time you really only need two and a half starters if you like and therefore that gives you five I don't know I just think it's going to depend on how many outside linebackers they keep for example is that five or six and if that's six then it's probably five, five on the linemen defensive. I think that's the strongest group on the team Clark Slayton Wyatt I mean they're not proven yet right because the three of them haven't really played a full season in those positions but i think like this year is like their their breakout year for that squad i really i really do i think they're they're right up there it feels like a good group that's a Devontae Wyatt is is gonna be is gonna be a kenny clark you've really changed your opinion of Devonte Wyatt over the last year i thought he was a punk for what for when the the detroit thing yeah when that whole debacle happened but as far as his ability is concerned you're on board yep i'm on board with Devonte Wyatt Okay. I think they keep Jonathan Ford because I feel like they have to. I don't feel like he's played particularly well, but I think he's going to be on the roster. I think they will keep six defensive linemen. Linebackers inside. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, Jimmy Phillips Jr., Marvin Pierre, and Tariq Carpenter. Those are the depth chart guys. Campbell Walker, Wilson, McDuffie all make the team. I think Tariq Carpenter makes this team. And I don't think he makes it because he's a particularly good linebacker. But I think he is going to play special teams. So I think it's going to be those five. He's versatile, right? He can do a lot. And the safety spot is 
friggin' trash still. So <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Although I, I mean, McDuffie, man, sometimes you see him just make great plays, and then at other times you're just like, oh man. His size is an issue. It is. It, it's a huge issue. You can just see it on the field. I mean, he's very undersized at that position. Peter, your thoughts on the inside linebacker? Yeah, I think it's four, but I think Carpenter has a chance, depending on what they do at the safety position as well, given his background. And because, as you said, he's a, he's a spe- good special teams player. So I think it's four, but it wouldn't surprise me if Carpenter snuck onto the roster as a fifth guy. Outside linebackers, Rashawn Gary will start the season on the pup. Is that right? Or is he really? on the roster? I don't think so. I think he's I'm good. asking. Oh, I don't think he's going to be on the pup. So he's going to immediately play. He, not play, but he's going to be on the – because the pup is four weeks. Is that yeah. right? You have to, yeah. Boy, that seems really soon. That's a thing. I'm excited for it. Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins, Brenton Cox Jr., Keyshawn Banks, Kenneth, I don't know what, how to say his last name. He's the African player that they can keep without a Ross, actual oh, roster right, spot. Right. I'm sure they'll keep him, right, just because it doesn't cost them anything. J.J. Anikbari and Aaron Mosby. Peter, we'll start with you. You think they keep how many outside linebackers? Six on the active roster. And, and and like you say, the international player can be kept on the practice squad as an additional practice squad. Oh, roster. is that how it is? Yeah. But yeah. is he protected? So, uh, he's protected on the practice squad. Okay. So that means that they can keep 17, I guess, on the, pra- on the practice squad. Preston Smith, Rashan Gary. And I think the situation with Gary is... You've got a 53-man roster, of which not all of them are active on game day anyway. So he could be one of those early season inactive guys oh. until he's until he's ready to play. So I think, yeah, I think it's Preston Smith, Rashan Gary, Van Ness, Hollins, Enigbari, and Brenton Cox. And Cox is a damn good player. And all the question marks about Cox around draft time and previous to that were nothing to do with his play on the field. They were about um, his character. I mean, you can't get kicked off too many college teams before people start to question whether you're an asshole or not. You know, and he's one of those guys down the depth charts who has shown up in the preseason and has made plays in the preseason. So I think under normal circumstances, it's five, but I think they I think they keep six because I think Brenton Cox is that sixth guy. And I think another team picks him up if they try to sneak him onto the practice squad. So I think it's six. Pat, any other thoughts? No changes there. I agree with everything. Hundred percent, totally. Yeah. They can't let Brenton Cox go to the practice squad. I think I only mentioned five names. Obviously, JJ Anikbari was the sixth. Was the sixth. Totally in agreement. All right, so corners. This is this could be a little bit interesting. Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Corey Valentine, Carrington Valentine, Keandre Thomas, William Hooper, and Tyrell Ford. We also have Keyshawn Nixon, Innis Gaines, Shamar John Charles. Mm. Hmm. Absolute locks, Alexander Douglas Nixon. Corey Ballantyne was kind of the darling of the early preseason and in camp, but I didn't see a lot from him in the preseason to say, yeah, he's for sure. Carrington Valentine, I think, makes a team. I think the Packers love him, and I think yeah. he's shown enough. The seventh rounder out of what, Kentucky? 100%. I think, I think Shamar John Charles is cut. I mean, Keandre Thomas is just another guy. William Hooper is just another guy. So I think it's, I'll just say who I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Alexander, Douglas, Nixon, Valentine, and, and Valentine. And that's it. One, two, three, four, five. Probably in his game six. 
maybe. I agree with all of your picks. I think NS Gaines could possibly be cut. But they got to keep more than five corners, right? I think with Keisha Nixon being a starter for the first time in the slot, they like NS Gaines because he can play that slot corner position. I mean, he, he was a safety as well, so he can cover that position. So I think you're right. I think the five... Alexander Douglas Nixon, Ballantyne, Valentine. And then I think Ines Gaines sneaks onto the roster as well. Stokes would come back possibly after week four, but he hasn't even practiced. Do Shamar, Jean Charles, Tyrell Ford, any of those guys maybe make the practice squad? Did any of those stick out to you in the preseason? I think Keandre Thomas is the one that probably has the best chance of making the practice squad. You know, some of these guys are obviously going to make the practice squad. You know, you've got right. to fill that practice squad out. So I think that Keandre Thomas has a chance of making it, and I think that Shamar Jean Charles has a chance of making the practice squad. And finally, safety. Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., Dallin Levitt, Benny Sapp third. This is the hardest one of all, right? Like, none of these guys, like, jump off the pit. We know Darnell Savage is making the roster. No question. He's the only lock, and it's not because he's a great player. I think Ford makes it is, is as close to a lock as as Savage. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, so you think uh, he? I I think they kind of sat him down and gave him a wake up call. You know, when he wasn't running with the ones, he's back with the ones now. So then we have Tarverius Moore and Jonathan Owens. Peter, are both those guys on the roster? Moore and Owens? I'm not certain that either of them are. I think that Dallin Levitt makes it. Right, because they like him as a special as a special teams guy. So I think it's Savage, Ford, Levitt. I think Anthony Johnson makes it. I was just going to say that. The, the reason that I put uh, what's his name on the roster from the linebacker spot to Reed Carpenter is because I think Dallin Levitt's only spot on the roster is at special teams. I think Tariq Carpenter, although not great, could actually play a position, go out there and play defense. For the Packers. Dallin Levitt doesn't play defense for the Packers ever. I know that Rich Passaccia loves Dallin Levitt, and I think that he makes a roster because of that. But if I'm Ludicans, I'd rather keep three Carpenter than Dallin Levitt. Dallin Levitt makes it. I don't know why they're so high on him, but they are. He's got pictures of Bisaccia. <laughs> he was out there for the coin flip as a captain for this Seahawk game. Hmm. So, yeah, he's probably captain of the special teams. I don't know how, but he is. Tavarius Moore and Jonathan Owens have showed me nothing. Anthony Johnson Jr., I think because he's young, I think he makes the roster. And I thought he wasn't terrible. I I think he's on par with Moore and Owens, but he's younger and should have some more upside. Yeah, he was a draft pick too, right? From Iowa or something? Yeah, I mean, they're they're not going to cut. They're not going to. I mean, he was a seventh rounder, but still, I, I think he makes it too. So let's be a little more clear. Savage Ford. I'm going to say Savage, Ford, Johnson, and Levitt. Those four make the team. Peter? I think they have to keep five here, right? So because, as you guys have both said, Levitt plays special teams and hardly any safety, right? So I, so, so I think it's Savage, Ford, Johnson, Levitt. And it depends. partly depends on what they regard in, in his games as. He could be your fifth safety. Mm. Um, Tavares Moore and Jonathan Owens is a toss-up for me. I'm going to go for Jonathan Owens simply because he's the more experienced guy. I mean, that whole position really is a is a is, is a toss-up. After Savage and Ford, you could put the other names into a hat. They're all the same guy. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, right, right now, you know, we've names. not we've not seen enough of, of of those guys. I think that 
I think that Benny Sapp makes the practice squad, not just because of the interception, although that was a nice play that secured the game last week. You know, it was a young guy, undrafted rookie, and I think he's the type of guy that you would put on the practice squad just so that you could see more of him with an opportunity that he may develop. It's all as clear as mud to me at that position, to be honest. Same. I just have no real, like, concrete, like, this guy. I can. I was kind of excited for Jonathan Nolan. Has some experience in the league. Yes, he wasn't a high pick or anything like that, undrafted, but seems to be a player. Didn't really show it. Daniel Whelan is the punter. He We've already, unless they pull somebody off of somebody else's team. That's it, right? That's everybody. What time? What time is it going down tomorrow? I think it's four thirty, right? They have to be in by four thirty. I thought or four o'clock, something like that. Four, four o'clock Eastern, yeah. Four o'clock Eastern, okay. Yeah. So by the time people listen to this, they'll be they'll be listening, saying those three idiots. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> when they listen on Thursday, somehow that's not the. I don't think that's the first time people have maybe said that. <laughs> not the first time people have thought that you, you and I are idiots. So. <laughs> Unless Dale does some very clever editing before before Thursday, <laughs> right? Oh. Just start putting the names, like cutting the names and putting them over. Like wow, we nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's not very, I'm not that clever. All right, anything else before we move on with life? Oh, by the way, I have to say this. So, first of all, Jack and thank you, Jack. Jack and I went out and watched the Aaron Rodgers preseason game. So, thanks, Jack, for coming out. That was fun. Aaron Rodgers threw an absolute perfect pass. Only a pass that Aaron Rodgers can make in that preseason. Right over the defender's helmet, right into his receiver's hands for a touchdown. I thought, ooh, wee, I'm going to miss that. Peter, have you watched Hard Knocks? You should. It's worth watching. It's a big love affair with Aaron Rodgers, and I, I'm not sick of it yet. I've only watched two episodes. But some of the things that you see about Rodgers, you don't realize how skilled he is at the little things of being an NFL quarterback. Type it's like of- his own thing, though. Those little things are his. I'm sure he's learned a lot from a lot of coaches and other players, other quarterbacks. But I think a lot of those little things that you're talking about are things that he's almost branded himself, like figured out himself, which makes it even more compelling. Tim Doyle's on that roster. It is really Green Bay East. Oh, it is. 100%. I was out of town in a hotel over this past week, and I was like flipping through the channels because I don't have, I don't know what network that Hard Knocks is on. It's on HBO Max. It's on. Okay, yeah. So I was like flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden I saw it. I was like, ah. And of course I clicked on it and watched it. (laughs) They were doing a thing, Peter, in the quarterback room. So they're they're videoing the the quarterback room. It's Boyle, Wilson, Rogers, and they put Rogers up. It's like two different screens, and it's the same ball fakes. And the young quarterbacks have to guess whether it's a run or a pass from his ball fakes, and get them all right. Like it's that deceptive. He is that good at. I'm going to do this exact action, whether it's a run or a pass. And I don't know why that really like set with me. Like, wow, that's because a lot of guys don't do that very well. They don't, you know, the, the run fake on a play action pass is an actual fake from Aaron Rodgers. Lucas, if you're listening, Lucas calls Aaron Rodgers the twat waffle. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but it's funny. So thank you, Lucas. And thanks for listening. Anyway. Anything else before we go? Good. Looking forward to the season. Me too. Next week, we will preview the 
Bears Packers game. That should be fun. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening to episode 130 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Amon Green episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.